Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. I'm Elena. I'm Kelly. Welcome, Kelly. Yay. Who are you? How did you get in here? Uh, some stranger. They, they turns out when you ring the doorbell, they answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the new uh, Central and Southern Ohio organizer for NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. You, you are the new Randy. Yes. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as Kelly, but maybe I can just answer to new Randy. Yes. Yeah, so, so after Randy uh, left us for Georgia, um, we've, we've you hired another the, Georgian. Yes. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm from the, like the same area. I honestly did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah, we're both from Georgia. Um, I kind of identify more as a South Carolinian because I moved there after my freshman year of high school. Okay. Through college, and then I've been in Ohio since 2014. But yeah, both from Georgia. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Yeah. I didn't get to. I didn't get to. I wasn't in you on the. You know nothing uh, about me. <laughs> a little Call bit because I wasn't in on the uh, the interviews for for hiring the position, so I didn't get to hear like all of the things about your background. So tell us more about you. Um, sure. Uh, like I said, I'm from the South. Uh, I've been in Columbus since 2014. I moved up here for a job that I clearly now no longer have. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You got a new one. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, I went to the University of South Carolina Honors College. Uh, my degree is in Russian, which is very useful. Hmm. No, not really. Yeah. Um, and out of college, I worked for the Secular Student Alliance, which brought me up here, uh, which is a, in a nutshell, it's like a gay-straight alliance, but for atheists and agnostics. So they're a campus organization that organizes atheist, agnostic, and non-religious students. Okay. Um, and then after that, I worked at an abortion clinic. And then I worked with Planned Parenthood on the campaign this past election cycle, and now I'm here. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I do a lot of volunteering, a lot of volunteering. Um, I'm on the committee to plan reproductive health happy hours here in Columbus. When is the next one? Dang. Um, I don't know if there's <laughs> going to be one planned for July. Ooh, okay. But the, the next one I will actually be able to attend, and that will be August 22nd at Growl. And I will either have a tiny newborn or be so pregnant that I will harm somebody. Right. <laughs> so. Yes. So you're a rock star volunteer. And that's, is that how you got connected to Nero? Um, We're all new probably. here. Probably. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn everyone yeah, as well. I mean, I, I show up where people ask me to mm. and uh, they seem to like me and keep inviting me to come back. That's like 80% of success. I know. Said. Just, mm-hmm. just show up. I think it was crash remarks. So. <laughs> Yogi Berra, one of those. Uh, so your first week on the job with us um, <laughs> was was eventful. Yeah, um, you guys have thrown me in the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was also Elena's. It, it might have been before your official first first day on the job, or was that day one? I think that was day one. I don't know if the morning counted as work for me, <laughs> and then I like transitioned midday. Right. Yeah. But, but so so you were a handmaid. <laughs> you want to talk about your handmaid experience? Sure. Actually, that plan came together at my baby shower. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Michelle uh, was the one who planned my baby shower. And then, of course, because it turns out when you're friends with mostly abortion advocates, what happens at a baby shower is mostly talking about more abortion advocacy. Right. Um, so Jamie and Stephanie Craddock Sherwood, Women Have Options, and Michelle, they were all there. And it, like there had been like some talk of doing something like Texas and like what they had done. 
Um, and it, w- it came together that they were going to do it at my baby shower. And then Stephanie and I, like the Tuesday night before we first did the, 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 did the first protest, was uh, we, we made a lot of bonnets. And it took right. slightly more and slightly less time than you anticipated. <laughs> okay. As any craft project will. <laughs> the capes came from a, a, just a costume store. Yeah, those are just like purchased uh, maybe from Party City, maybe from Amazon, I'm not sure. Um, but we, we handmade all the bonnets with like right. fusing and fabric and hand-stitched buttons and elastic. <laughs> uh, wow. and, and Stephanie got a lot of requests for a, a how-to guide of how to make the bonnets. Yeah, which she has made and published on the Women Have Options website. And I know it's been utilized by like people in South Carolina and maybe people as far as like Ireland because they have a big abortion reform that's like in the works, I think. Apparently, there are women as handmaids that are following Donald Trump around the streets of Poland yes. like today. Yes. <laughs> so, um, it's it's been snowballing. Um, so, since we're we're on handmaids as a topic here, just to <laughs> just to park it, uh, <laughs> Elena, we talked with you on your first podcast. You were one of the handmaids, um, and since then, you've been interviewed by the New York Times. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I was really uh, glad to be part of, um, you know, the larger conversation that's happening in this country of um, women who, you know, are being absolutely resilient and resistant uh, in their own ways and have, um, you know, been able to express that through The Handmaid's Tale and um, being able to, you know, dress up and... uh, really embody what it means um, that's what's happening today with all the um, restrictions on women's lives. And so uh, I was able to talk about that with the New York Times and be part of, like I said, uh, the larger conversation of this is just happening all around the country, just women rising up and uh, realizing that, you know, here's one really effective um, way to bring attention to, you know, restrictions on women's bodies and lives. And so I really find it very powerful to be part of, you know, a silent protest that then speaks volumes. And so that's been a great tactic that we've used here um, in the Ohio State House. And I know that's just going to continue to ripple throughout the world. Right, right. No, it's it's been, I think, a very effective, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it gets the other side... Uh, you know, it's it's not always the clearest message for the other side, but it's definitely something to build our supporters mm-hmm. around. Yeah, it doesn't seem that they seem to, they don't understand foreshadowing or a metaphor or <laughs> it's it's some of the comments have been really weird. Well, they also and accusing us of melodrama. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they also don't understand the damage that uh, occurs when you take away health care or access to safe abortion care for mm-hmm. women. So. You know, there's there's several disconnects on many levels. Um, you know, I don't think it was limited to, hey, what are these costumes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then the next thing you did uh, with us was uh, you did the Duda Parade. Yes, that was on Tuesday on the 4th of July, and it was very hot and very humid. Um, and uh, it was another, it was a big collection of handmaids, um, but having worn that polyester red cloak um, three times so far, <laughs> I didn't really want to wear it again because it's very warm. <laughs> <laughs> so I opted to dress up as Lady Liberty and uh, march with the handmaids, and it was a good time. That is brilliant. 
Yeah. Pregnant wish. Lady Liberty. That says it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a lot of good feedback. I got a lot of people take pictures, and it was a lot easier to, like, flip the fabric over my belly and cool, down, cool myself down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Duda Parade, uh, for those who haven't been to it, is Columbus's irreverent um, Fourth of July parade. You know, we... Every July 3rd, we do the red, white, and boom here in town. And it's, you know, the, the very the raw, straight raw forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Duda Parade is, it just turns everything on its head. Uh, there's a less than grand marshal for the parade. There's the marching Fidels. People dress up as Fidel Castro, which I think they said that this might be the last time since Castro is now dead. Um, it's, it's just, you know, as, as wacky as, as you want to be. Uh, so the sexy handmaids, I think, fit in real well. There was somebody else who did uh, a take on the Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer driving the yeah, podium. Yeah, mobile podium. There were, like, several, like, <laughs> at least seven Trumps, I think. So it's definitely, yeah, definitely very irreverent. It's I feel like if people don't like the 4th of July because it's too patriotic, then, like, doodahs where they need to be. I went to my first Duda in 2011 when I was interning with an organization up here, and I was just, just absolutely delighted, because <laughs> you don't you don't really necessarily get those in the more conservative parts, like being from South Carolina. So it was just like a, a nice way to like enjoy a, a holiday where I didn't feel disingenuous or like upset or like, because there's a difference between the rah rah America, America's number one, and then like. There are actually genuine problems with this country, um, but we still got work to do, and we're still here to do the work. So, right, I, I appreciate the doodah for what it is. Yeah, um, I almost wonder if I'm too serious for it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because like people are like, we want funny, and I'm like, I want funny, but I also want heartfelt. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I think it's it's a different kind of patriotism. It definitely mm-hmm. takes pride in our country, but it's much more of the hey, we have the First Amendment, we're going to use the hell out of it sort of uh, sort of way. So uh, it was cool that you guys did that, um, and then you're just nonstop with events. Yesterday, you were at the state house to rally to save Medicaid. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. a really good turnout. It was maybe four or five hundred people um, around lunchtime at the state house, which is like. It's not the easiest thing to get to the state house at lunchtime on sure. Wednesday. So it was pretty heartening to see that many people and see that many people like invested and actually like care about the issue. Um, yeah, we ran into the Med Students for Choice at Ohio State, ran into a few Planned Parenthood people, um, and it was it was nice. Yeah, and I was really encouraged to see um, so many faith leaders who are present there, um, yes. some of you may know, I'm with the Ohio Religious Coalition for a Reproductive Choice, and so it's really great when I get to see, you know, faith leaders stepping up, um, you know, getting out into the streets, um, getting beyond their pews to really care about the issues yeah. that are affecting people's lives, and so for them to to be present and to protect Medicaid. Yeah. There was at least one faith leader speaking, mm-hmm. maybe two, so yeah, they were definitely out and about. Yep. <laughs> And Ohio RCRC was uh, participating in some of the phone banks yesterday as well. Yeah, it was really um, exciting to actually meet some of those faith leaders who were at the rally. They then showed up at a phone bank um, last night. And here I am just surrounded by these great clergy who, you know, dialing at the phone and 
announcing themselves as reverend and whatnot, and you know, calling people, urging them to contact their legislators and have them um, vote no against um, the the Medicaid freeze and override. And so, um, yeah, I just think that's really powerful when you have so many people from all walks of life coming together and saying that um, it's a moral and it's a economic and it's a reproductive justice issue to protect healthcare. And, and so that happened last night at the phone bank where it wasn't just, you know, um, faith, faith in public life, um, you know, NARAL was there represented through their board. We were there. Um, we also had physicians, um, Action Network and Progressive Ohio. And it's just, you know, this is what it takes if we're going to build a movement. We, it takes all of us. And so that happened. And I think that's the success that we saw today that, you know, the state house decided to back off on, yeah. Right. Medicaid. Um, yeah, because they, uh, so to, to get into the policy, they, they passed the budget last week. Um, so uh, the, take a detour on this. Uh, the first part of the budget that uh, uh, we've addressed as an organization um, is the million dollars for crisis pregnancy centers. Um, when uh, when Kasich issued his first version of the budget, uh, when it was just a bill draft, um, and it came out in February, um, the governor always gets to you know take the first swing at, at writing a budget. He wrote that did not have any money allocated for crisis pregnancy centers. We were pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Um, because this is a million dollars, you know, the, the previous budget took a million dollars out of TANF funds, the temporary assistance for needy families, a million dollars that should be going to, I think Jamie talked about it last week on the show. Um, you know, it's cash assistance for people who desperately need it. It's kind of like food stamps, although it is money that you can apply to pay your bills, pay your rent. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, uh, make a car payment so that you don't lose your family's own source of transportation that gets you to a job. Um, it's very valuable to the families who need it, and it is temporary. So it's not uh, it's not some you know permanent handout. It's you know oh crap, our family you know really needs just a little bit of help to get by. That's this fund, the TANF fund. Um, and so to divert a million dollars of that mm. to crisis pregnancy centers that lie to women who are seeking answers about pregnancy, uh, a lot of people feel that that is you know, a completely immoral thing and a waste of tax dollars. Oh, absolutely. And especially when they don't provide any kind of real medical care. And um, you know, women deserve better <laughs> than that. And so uh, we really need to, to be funding efforts where we're really looking at the, the complex choices that women are having to make. And so we need to be funding programs that actually address those things and provide for real needs. And right. crisis pregnancy centers are, are not that. I mean, it's right. a wedge issue at best. Yes. Um, so the, the first version of the budget did not have money for crisis pregnancy centers. Um, Ohio Ride to Life and several of these centers, uh, the directors uh, all testified. We testified against uh, funding for CPCs. Um, but, you know, Ohio Ride to Life wanted their uh, pound of flesh um, that they had purchased um, and, and had this money put back in stages. And so it was 
uh, $200,000 and then it became like $600,000. And then in the end, it was back up to the million dollars across the two-year cycle uh, that will now go to crisis pregnancy centers. Does that still come from TANF? Yes. So, I mean, that is, you know, really crappy uh, that that is included in this budget. Hmm. Um, We fought against it. Um, We were, uh, you know, in in terms of good news, uh, you know, the the silver lining is that that was the only thing negative in the budget. There were no additional abortion restrictions that legislators have crammed in as amendments uh, in the past three budget cycles. So, um, you know, not that we're counting it as a win that, you know, we still lost on crisis pregnancy centers, but it wasn't as bad as it has been in previous budget Mm -hmm. cycles. Um, so that's where we stand on crisis pregnancy centers. Of course, we're, um, asking everybody to contact their legislators and let them know, Hey, I don't approve of this use of, you know, TANF dollars. Um, but the other big issue, and this is uh, why you were rallying, uh, was, um, the state of Ohio expanded Medicaid in the previous budget cycle. And we all want to see that expansion, uh, continue. We want to make sure that uh, low-income Ohioans have uh, access to this expanded Medicaid option that Obamacare opened up, uh, and that Ohio chose to, uh, you know, chose to act on two years ago. Uh, the budget draft, as passed by the legislature, blocked Medicaid expansion, uh, and Kasich vetoed the block, right? It's like some logic puzzle. Yes, that was a good thing. (laughs) His veto there was good. Uh, And uh, then we're rallying uh, uh, at the state house to uphold the veto, right? Yeah, basically asking legislators to not try and override the veto. Right. Because they probably would have had enough votes if they had really wanted to do that. Uh, they so they they met this morning while mm-hmm. while you were on the road to Dayton. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know the conclusion of this now. Um, so the the House and Senate uh, got called in, uh, which is unusual. Normally, after they pass the the budget and it gets signed uh, on June thirtieth, it, it has to be signed by June thirtieth according to law. Normally, they leave and they're done for the summer, and they do not come back. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. like the cushiest summer break of of any, uh, anything you've ever seen. They don't come back for anything, but they came back today. The house and the Senate both met. Um, they took votes on 11 budget related veto overrides, uh, five of which were, uh, I think party line votes on Medicaid issues. Um, but they did not override the veto on Medicaid expansion. So as of today, uh, July 6th, Medicaid expansion still stands, uh, which is good. Yeah. Yes. And hey, today is my birthday, so I will oh. take that. I'm. <laughs> it is. Uh, you guys are full of surprises. Happy yes. birthday. It's. Uh, I got my wish. Uh, we got to protect Medicaid, and you know that's just the way it has to be. <laughs> right. Because it it would have removed access to care for half a million people mm-hmm. across the state of Ohio. I mean, this is a huge win for people looking to gain access to health care. Uh, I don't understand why on earth you would campaign, uh, you know, and, and run for elected office on a platform of trying to remove access to health care for people, but yet here they are. And mind you, these are, you know, the lawmakers who tout family values. And so that's what's really interesting about all the people who are lobbying Kasich to, um, you know, 
to cut Medicaid is, you know, you have your Ohio Christian Alliance and you have the, the Koch brothers who are all funding these efforts to to make sure that there's a Medicaid for kids and seniors and, right. you know, the Ohio enabled. Christian Alliance yes. doesn't want kids to have access exactly. to healthcare. So how, how is that, you know, part of family values? And so I'm really, you know, proud that Kasich did the right thing this time. Yes. And vetoed it. This, mm. this was good. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think when I look at this, I, I not only answer um, or ask myself, is he doing this for his own personal motivations? Mm-hmm. And he has spoken about that fairly sincerely. But then I'm also looking at, you know, in 2020, somebody's probably going to challenge Trump in a, a presidential primary. Uh, is Kasich going to be the one? Is he going yeah. to be one of many? And uh, certainly this is going to be uh, a major campaign issue uh, that I think is going to begin quite a large discussion within the Republican Party of, hey, do we actually stand for helping people the way that some have said that we should? Uh, or, you know, do Republicans as a party, uh, I'm using the weed her for today, mm. <laughs> uh, do Republicans as a party not have an interest in helping people, uh, you know, not die from catastrophic mm. injury or illness? <laughs> It would be nice if, like, healthcare actually became a bipartisan issue again. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the budget. Um, and then the last thing on your, your tour of Ohio that we have to talk about. In a week, um, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to Cleveland tomorrow, so it's not oh. done yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, is You got to meet Sher- uh, Sherrod Brown. I did. That was pretty cool. Um, he was also a Russian studies major what? in undergrad. Yeah, yeah, he studied <laughs> Russian. So I, like, I was like, hey, I'm, I was a Russian major too. And he, so we chatted about Pushkin and how hard it is to keep up with Russian if you don't actually keep up with it. So, <laughs> did you two speak Russian to each other? I he talks very fast, <laughs> okay. so I don't know if I would have like understood what if, if he had said anything to me in Russian. But it was just like, oh, you are speaking like I'm. I'm from the South, but I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a slow talker. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he speaks fast even for me. And I was just like, I don't, uh, da, <laughs> so it felt a little weird, but it was pretty cool. That's unexpected because he also has this low gravelly voice that catches people off guard. The first time they hear it, they think that he's got some terrible cold and it's just <laughs> how he talks, you know, it's, oh, it's just low. I can't even do. I, yeah, no, I didn't really, I didn't think he had a cold. I was just like, I just assumed that's how he talked. And I'm glad that can. Have yeah. confirmed that it is that with the talks. But do you want to talk about the event? It wasn't just uh, yeah, you no. and Sherrod having coffee. Uh... <laughs> no, it was not. It was uh, it was at Dayton Children's Hospital, and it was uh, about um, like the what the the repeals and like what they're trying to do with the Affordable Care Act. Trying to do, um, and so he spoke, and then I think the president of the hospital spoke, and then there was a story from this woman who has had who had twins. Um, and had, was like having a very difficult pregnancy, and I think she ended up giving birth at like 35 weeks, which is preterm. Yes. Um, and like her first son came out with like the cord wrapped around his neck. He was unable to cry. He wasn't oh, wow. breathing. So it was like it, it was a very hard pregnancy, a very scary birth, and like how like she was able to like she has not had a bill like from the hospital for like from her pregnancy, from her appointments, from her birth, from from all of these like terrible things that have happened because of like what the Affordable Care Act has been able to do um, and how like 
that would essentially be impossible with like some of the appeals that they're trying to have happen with the Affordable Care Act, which I mean resonates with me because I'm also pregnant. I'll be 35 weeks in two weeks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Right. Um, so it's, it was, it was, it was a good event. It was a really like it, there's a lot at stake. Um, if the, if the Senate manages to pass what they're trying to pass with right. regards to Obamacare, like a lot of bad things. In general. Right. Right. It would be an additional 22 million people losing access to healthcare, which could pay for things like hospital bills. If you do decide to have kids. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you don't lose health insurance, you could still have, like, the return of pre-existing conditions, which, you know, does include, like, you know, basically just being a woman or having a uterus. Right. Uh, <laughs> yay. Um, yeah, so it's it's just a... And then there's, like, tax cuts for, like, the 400 most wealthy families that amount to, like, $7 million. Right. So it's just a lot of bad things that... Senator Brown is voting against, so that's good. Yes, Sherrod Brown is a terrific champion. Um, yeah, you know, the idea of losing access to health care just so that, it, and for decades, the, the cliche person who's like, oh, rich people like Donald Trump, and he never really used that example as being also the president, but yet he's still rich and would still get a massive tax cut. Um, you know, removing health care to give Donald Trump a tax cut just is the most insane thing I've ever you know, you've ever heard about. Um, my kids were both born, uh, one at 35 weeks and one at 36. Um, and, uh, the, uh, the younger, uh, no, the older kid, um, spent two weeks in the, in the NICU, in the hospital mm. while we, uh, you know, just waited. He, they were both preterm, but, uh, my older one, uh, just needed some more time to help lung development and all of that. So, uh, he was just hanging out in the hospital. Um, and I think, uh, because we've got really great insurance, at the end of all of that, our bill was like twenty five dollars. Wow! Um, and I've had other uh, other friends who have had health insurance who you know had a, a birth in a hospital that was you know without complication, and because of whatever their their health insurance was, this is w- with insurance it was you know two to three grand, and they're making payments for you know for quite some time. Uh, if you know, if Ohio Right to Life wants to do things to help people have kids and not have it be, you know, a, a financial burden, making sure that they have access to insurance that covers the cost of birth. Yeah. It's, Pretty basic. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a healthy, if uh, frustrating and uncomfortable pregnancy. So <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would be like to have a crisis pregnancy, like where things are not going well or very badly at that right yeah it's i i I saw one of each one that went smoothly and one that was like ah this is terrifying yeah and and you know after after doing that more terrifying birth it was like i think i'm a narol person (laughs) because if you if you didn't want to do this voluntarily oh my god tell me about it the idea of forcing a woman to go through a terrifying birth i mean you know from from the point of view of the guy standing beside her it was like no we we gotta come up with some solutions to this you know i mean pregnancy is hard on your body regardless of of healthy or like not 
<laughs> or not. We know what you mean. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what word I'm supposed to use there. <laughs> I mean, I, I had morning sickness until like 20 weeks. Like I did not have a good time. I have not enjoyed this and I would be very unhappy if it was not something I wanted to do. Right. So. Yeah. And then adding the idea of financial burden on top of that is <laughs> uh, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're estimating, like, increases of 400% for maternal care. Right. If the, whatever the new bill they're trying to pass is passed. Yeah. And, you know, what's already difficult is you can't get an estimate from a hospital of nope. exactly what oh, no. childbirth <laughs> is going to cost. Yeah, there's no set costs for anything. It, I mean, even from hospital to hospital, it doesn't really, like, you can't, like, ask for an estimate because it's going to be different based on their own internal prices. Like, there's no mm. magical list. And then there's just ad, an additional, like, eh, complications that could come up. So, like, you, you, don't, you, you don't get a standard birth or standard birth price. <laughs> it's just, right. well, we'll see what happens when you're done, Right. I guess. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only six more weeks of terror. <laughs> Okay. Well, good luck with that. Um, and on that note, uh, let's talk about how people can get involved. Uh, so let's uh, do the Let's Get It On uh, event calendar. Um, the first thing up is actually something tonight. So if you listen to the podcast, uh, there's an Ohio RCRC uh, event. What's up? Yeah, we're really excited um, to to help promote an event up in Cleveland that's actually happening this evening at 5.30. But I think it's well worth it if you can make it. It's actually an event with the ACLU and with the Clergy Consultation Service, which I just think is brilliant that um, here are two groups coming together, and they're going to tell an untold story of the movement, which is about how religious leaders, um, long before Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, um, religious leaders from around the country organize their own underground um, support network to give women access to abortion care. And I just think that's phenomenal that um, that is a part of our legacy and is something that I think we need to, to hold on to, again, is um, capture the, the moral and of faith um, voices that are very much in support of reproductive justice, and, and that includes abortion care. And so... Um, that event tonight will discuss that legacy and what's next for them. Right. So this, uh, the, the event, if you go to our Facebook page, you can find information mm -hmm. about this. Uh, tonight at 530, it's at the ACLU of Ohio's Cleveland headquarters. Mm -hmm. um, and so then next week, uh, we've got a great opportunity with Lady Parts Justice. Uh, this is their event uh, at Mahal's in Lakewood. It's the Vagical Mystery Tour hosted by Liz Winstead. Yes. Yeah, I'm really jealous. I want to go. We should I, go. Well, it's a long drive and my feet are swelling. <laughs> I'll drive you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I love Wins Liz, Liz Winstead's work. Um, and I really like, I mean, I, I do stand-up comedy in my free time sometimes. Oh. Yeah, so be cool. Uh, she's hosting this uh, along with Aida Rodriguez, Showtime Showtime Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam host. <laughs> uh, so it should be uh, really terrific. That's uh, Thursday, July 13th at Mahal's in Lakewood. Um, and then uh, the next thing after that uh, is uh, our, our Cleveland office is hosting a mini golf event uh, on July 20th in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually in the town of, I think, North Ridgeville. 
Um, so uh, it's at a putt-putt place, uh, and they're kind of doing this uh, just like the Bolathon, where you form a team, uh, you do some fundraising. Uh, as long as you raise uh, over 50 bucks, uh, you can have a putt-putt team um, and, uh, you know, come and compete just like a, a golf tournament. But way um, more fun than a golf tournament. Yes, because uh, it's mini golf. Yeah. Um, so in Cleveland, July 20th, uh, and then a second one, uh, the next one will be in Toledo on August 5th. Um, information uh, on our Facebook page, click on the events tab. Uh, and then the last thing we're doing in the month of July is the Pride Festival uh, in Youngstown. So um, this was Annie's, but uh, did you help out with our with our Pride booth? Uh, no, I was being a counter-protester at Pride. Oh, okay. You were causing trouble. No, maybe. <laughs> no, maybe. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Uh, but so if you're, uh, if you're in Youngstown, uh, part of their LGBTQ or ally community, um, check us out uh, at the Pride Festival on July 29th. So how'd you like being on the podcast very first time? So far, so good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. You're running yeah. laps around us. Uh, Dang, one week. I've been on my feet, and they look so gross. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome aboard, uh, and we'll see everybody next week. If you want to volunteer. Oh, yeah, if you want to volunteer. Because <laughs> I want to meet all my volunteers, and I want to have <laughs> cool things going on in Columbus mm. and well, all the cities, really. Yes. I've, gotten to, I've gotten to Dayton. I've gotten to Columbus. Now i got to get to Cincinnati and Athens. But if you want to volunteer with me, you can email me at volunteer at prochoiceohio.org. Yes. Do that. Please. Okay. Good catch. <laughs> uh, and then we'll see everybody next week. Bye. 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 Bye.